the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I find it astonishing that the risen Christ's presence banishes the disciples' crippling fear. For they're found in today's gospel locked in the very room where they experienced Jesus' last supper with them and his washing of their feet. And there they are cowered in terror. Have you ever had that kind of terror that paralyzes you? It's miserable. You can't move out of it. You're stuck right in the middle of it. It's almost as bad as death, I imagine. That's where Jesus finds them, the disciples, the ones who loved him, in fear. And what does he do but walks through a wall? Not even the grave or the wall can contain him any longer. And he breathes a fresh breath on them, this Holy Spirit emboldening them to go and share the good news of the risen Christ with others. Surely this is grace and transformation in action. I heard a story recently of a group of children were gathered and asked the question, who's your favorite disciple? And one of the little boys shouted with excitement, Thomas! And everyone began to move away from him. <laughs> Thomas! Thomas! They assumed Thomas was the bad disciple. Why would you want to be anything like him? But the truth is, is that all of us have doubted at one time or another. The deal is, is that shame would have us to hide that, to deny that, to separate ourselves from that. But the reality is, is that Thomas responds in today's gospel in a very human way. I'd say it's even sort of a bravado that we do often to cover up our embarrassment or shame or our fears. He says, I'm not going to believe unless I touch the wounds like you all have done because they had already had an encounter with Christ. Surely they told him, oh yeah, the wounds are there. You know how guys like to talk about the gory stuff. Then when Jesus actually appears to them and he invites Thomas, go ahead, touch my wounds, there is no need. He simply is transformed. Doubt is transformed into worship in the very presence of God, in the awe and wonder of this risen Christ who's defeated death and stands there before them victorious. This risen Christ that even walls nor the grave can stop. Emboldens Thomas to step outside of his fear and his doubt into faith. He says, my Lord, my God. That's all he needs. His presence. 
That's all any of us need is his presence. And it's more accessible than we know. There is a fresh wind blowing in the world today. The Holy Spirit is blowing across the globe. Revival is on its way. It's breaking out in foreign nations, and it's due here. Surely such a time where such violence is prevalent, the world needs to see a fresh expression of the Holy Spirit moving across our globe and our nation. But it's when God breathes and enlivens these dry bones of ours back to life, only then can we be moved to go and share the good news. God is breathing that breath on us anew as we seek him. I would say there are two things we need to be ready for this season in the church today. It's to spend time in that presence to get intimate with the one who loves you, to just be in his presence through prayer, through inviting him to walk along with you. He's there anyway. It's just a matter of whether we're open to it and to hearing. And then I would invite you to consider him asking him to bring a time when you saw transformation in your life or experienced it or in someone else's. Or maybe it's a piece of scripture that's really made a difference in your life where you encountered the very presence of God. Because to talk about anything other than the presence is to miss the point. He is the one who's victorious over death, over doubt, over fear. If you're wrestling with any of those things, ask Jesus to show up in a fresh way, to send his spirit to speak to you. Today we get to hear of someone's testimony. I've been praying, saying, Lord, revival starts when people start sharing their stories. To my surprise, it shouldn't be a surprise, but in the course of conversation, I had someone say, I want to tell my testimony about what happened to my husband. And so I invite Olive to come on up, and we get to hear of her husband's transformation when he encountered the presence of God, not just being a churchgoer, but the living Christ who vanquished death. I hope that she and her courage will embolden you to share and to be prepared so that when God brings someone across your path, you're ready. But here's what I would say is do not do this. By all means, do not do this unless you want joy and true happiness. All Thank you. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Can I do your light? I don't think it's on. It's in the right place, but it's not on. No, it's, that's fine. I don't think it's on. Go ahead. 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. I would like to share with you some of my fourth day experience since my Crucio, when I made my Crucio, it was the name, the name of the Crucio was the, the Crucio of the Holy Spirit. The Crucio is a, is a three-day weekend. The fourth day is what lasts forever. Most of you know that I was a secretary at St. George's Church for eight years. My children were in junior high. David was in elementary school, and it was a good job for me to be at home when they came home from school. Wilma, my first husband, was a training officer for the Texas City Fire Department and had been into some ammonia from one of the explosions for the American Oil Company. He had developed a poor circulation and had been given a disability in 1979. I left the church and went to work at UTMB at the School of Allied Health. Wilma was not a church person. He believed in God. He was a good father and a good husband. He just didn't go to church. And that sometimes that caused problems in our family. He liked participating in a play-like army that was the Confederate Army that was formed in Galveston. So one day, he was riding an old-timey bicycle with one with the great big wheel in the front and a little wheel in the back. And he fell and broke his femur bone in his leg. He developed more a blood clot and developed more bad circulation, which caused ulcers on his leg. Well, the Casillo movement was working, was moving really in St. George's, the Holy Spirit was really in St. George's, and I looked and I wanted to be part of that. Everybody was coming home happy, and others having so wanted to go. I wanted to go to Crucio. So the Jacobsons said, "Why don't you ask Wilma? We'll pray for him, and maybe he will go." Well, I did, and he did go for the weekend, and I was surprised. They say that there was a, there is a time for everyone to go to Crucio. And that was our time, because that team had two doctors on it. One of them, it was at a woman's table. Everyone was praying for him. And the doctors were saying, when you get home, you must go see a doctor about your leg. Well, when Willard left that, Wilma, excuse me, when Wilma left that weekend, he had, was full of joy, and he was running with his crutches in his hand in the air. He did go to the doctor and his leg was very bad, so bad that they were ready to amputate it. The night before he was to have it amputated, Dr. O'Brien called and said he wanted him to go see one more doctor, Dr. Lewis at UTMB. One of the teachers that taught at the school where I was heard about it and came to talk to me and told me about the circulation in the body. And he said, she said, you need to go talk to Dr. Lewis and tell him about the hyper, ask him about the hyperbaric chamber. So when we went, and we, he did, I did, I asked him, and he said, well, we'll try. So he put Wilma's leg in this great big chamber, big long chamber, and it put, pressed, pumped water, uh, air into his leg. He did that for about 20 minutes, and he wrapped Wilma's leg in a gauze soaked in calamine lotion. He did that for about four weeks, twice a week. One day, when we went, when we were there, 
about a week later, he told, he told her he wanted to uh, take that off of his leg. He decided to take the scab off of Wilma's leg. The scab was very big. It was very thick, and you know how a scab is. It gets real dark, and Wilma was really very scared because he didn't want that to come off. But when he did, it was completely healed. Wilma lived his fourth day full of the Holy Spirit, serving many activities. He was filled with God, and he went to church in every, every Sunday. He knew and he believed it. And read, if you can believe it or not, we read the Bible every day. When the fire happened at St. George's, Wilma, Wilma was there, right there, helping. One night, after coming home from the meeting, from a meeting, Wilma had a heart attack. And then when he got in the hospital, he had a stroke, and he died in July 1983. About a year later, I was going to fix coffee at the Methodist Chapel. That's where we had church when the fire, when the fire came, burned our church. And Willard, who lived across the street, was cutting the grass. And I stopped and asked him, why don't you go to church with me that next day? He did, and I don't think he missed a church on Sunday after that happened. Later, he asked me to go and eat lunch with him, and of course that started a relationship. After about six months, he knocked at my door, and when I answered it, he said, I just want to ask you something. Will you marry me? Well, I was going to a church conference. I was superintendent of the church school, and I wasn't sure, so I said, let me pray about it and I'll talk to you when I get home. On the way home, the conference, all the way home from the conference, I noticed a few rainbows in my car. Well, it got more and got more and got more, and soon the car was full of rainbows. It was just, you just can't imagine, it was just full of rainbows. And I was full of the rainbows too. I was full of, the car was full of the Holy Spirit, and I was too. I tell you what, coming home, I was just, I just danced all the way home in that car. A couple of weeks later, my friend Lee, which y'all know her, Lee Sanders, she was at the dinner last night. We were driving home because she and Sandy and I drove 15 years back and forth to, church, to work together. And she said, Olive, is that a crystal on that key there? He says, she says, that's your rainbows. Well, maybe it was, but everything had to be just right for those rainbows to be all over that car like that. And when Willard and I married, the prettiest rainbow shined to, over to the west that day. Everyone told, Willard told everyone that he had, been, had to go to Christia. Willard told everyone that he, I said he had to go to Crusoe or I, he, I would not marry him, but that is not true. We were married 32 years, and we had a wonderful life, and he died in 1983. Now I'd like to read you something. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, 
But these are written so that you may come to believe in Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing it you may have life in his name. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't happen all like that all the time. But everyone has the Spirit. Every, every one of you and every one of us, all of us have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. And that was the Holy Spirit. We have, the, we have Priscilla and all of us have the Holy Spirit in us. So we are filled with, if you just open your heart and go out, step out in faith, he will help you. In the in Christio, we have a, day, a word that says de Polaris, which is living, happy living. So I say to you right now, de Polaris, if you would be interested in going for a weekend, there will be a weekend in August. Just turn on your computer, click on Texas Curcio to register. It's going to be the Curcio of the saints of God. And I hope that you will want to do that. Thank you. Thank you for your courage and stepping out and sharing how not one but two.